You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. My name is Reese Devaney along with Colin Ward. We are not alone for this first round wrap-up episode slash second round preview episode. We are being joined by uh, Brandon Caputo, the founder, co-owner, CEO, the Armchair GM Sports Network, the Dog Pound Podcast, of course, the official podcast of the Niagara Ice Dogs. Brandon, appreciate you joining us and appreciate your contributions once again. You were with us for the championship run last year in Hamilton, and you're all over that North Bay Mississauga series in round one, which is why you are here. So appreciate your time, man, and uh, should be a good show with you. Thanks a lot, guys, and good to be on again with uh, as a correspondent for the OHL playoffs with the OHL on 60 podcast. The, the Ice Dogs being out of the playoffs, still want to cover the league, so uh, thanks for having me along for the ride. Yeah, well, we'll get the shot in first. Um, you got to get some playoff hockey going eventually, so um just had to get out of town but uh yeah no we really appreciate you uh hopping on here so you know the way we're looking at it like i said it's really just to look back on round number one and look ahead uh to the second round um and we'll start with the eastern conference because i think that'll take up a lot of our time with us being around the dogs uh brandon being a part of that north bay mississauga series that'll take up a chunk of our time um we'll throw in ottawa oshawa peterborough sudbury there although those two were the quickest series uh, in the Eastern Conference, then we'll move over to the West and uh, the eight-seeded Kitchener Rangers sweeping away the number one-seeded Windsor Spitfires. So let's get right to it. We'll start with the one-versus-eight matchup, guys. Uh, Colin, we'll start with you. Ottawa defeats the Oshawa Generals four games to one in a series that started yeah, across that. the border in Quebec. Um, Ottawa scored a lot of goals. We're looking at a seven, nothing victory in game one. They win three, two in game two. Oshawa takes game three in overtime five to four. And then the 67s unleash hell pretty much in game number four, nine, nothing. The final there to go up three, one, then they finish it off four, two again, expected whether it was in four or five. Um, not really too much to look into except the um, incredible goal scoring ability of the 67s. Yeah. And first off, as we speak about Ottawa, I just want to give massive congratulations to Logan Morris. And I mean, got to know Logan really well with the Bulldogs um, and big part of that run last year for the Bulldogs, winning a ring, um, winning MVP Morris. Um, congratulations, Logan, on your uh, entry level deal with the Seattle Kraken on Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon. Now holidays, I'm all messed up, but um, congratulations, Logan. Very well deserving, and um, all the best the rest of the way. Um, what a great guy! To, and uh, I mean, you got you got to be happy for that guy to get a contract um, at the next level. He's deserved it. And uh, every single game, it was weird all year. And Reese, Reese, Brandon, I know you guys can attest to this. Um, Grace, you and I saw it firsthand throughout the first half of the year before the trade. And, Brandon, um, you've saw it for, certainly firsthand for what Logan Morris can do over the last couple of seasons, too. And, I mean, it was just one of those things where it was like you just waited for that contract to come. And it's like, how does this guy not have a contract? Him and Avery Hayes. It was like, how do these guys not have contracts? Like, Logan Morris, and every time he was out there, he controlled the game. He did every single thing you wanted. And he goes to Dallas last year. How does he not get signed in, out of Dallas's dev camp? I don't know how he did not get a contract out of that and then get on Seattle to pick him up because, hey, they got a very good player in Logan Morris. And, and it's 
he's already a top five prospect in that system for a young team. I mean, he's a very good player to have. And uh, congrats, Mo. And I know you guys can attest to that as well with uh, Logan. Yeah, with Logan Morrison, I mean, playoff MVP last year in the Ontario Hockey League was just a force for the Bulldogs en route to that OHL championship. And then coming back this year and then being moved to Ottawa, you know, this is the Seattle Kraken continue to just stockpile OHL prospects. I feel like they're like the OHL all-star team on their their prospect list with uh, guys like Shane Wright, Ty Nelson, Logan Morrison, and oh, missing a few others as well. But they do a lot of scouting here yeah. in the Ontario Hockey League and yeah. signing a lot of players out of here. But uh, yeah, Logan Morrison, I feel like he's a perfect fit for what Dave Cameron tries to do because he's such a responsible player, yeah. 200 foot player. Uh, offense and defense so I, I feel like he's one of those guys that was a perfect fit for Dave Cameron and what he wanted to do with the 67s and to me there's no shock that they won the series in five games yeah yeah absolutely no go ahead Colin oh sorry I just want to get to the series but um yeah nevertheless predicted this one in five games I thought Oshawa would win that game three I think you know if they're gonna win a game and it's such a learning experience for Oshawa I know you see a lot of people where it's like well, I want to I want to go all in for the first pick. I want to go all in for the first pick. And I mean, Reese, you and I being Red Wings fans, Brandon, you're a Sabres fan, and you know, and hey, this is no shot. But you know what? With the Ice Dogs being what it was, there's no guarantees in lotteries, and it's not fun missing the playoffs. Um, that there is no experience to gain out of missing the playoffs. And being around the Bulldogs in this round this year in the playoffs, you learn a lot in those games. You learn a lot when you learn. When you lose 10 to 2, the game one in Barry, you learn a lot for a young team. Oshawa most definitely learned a lot. They have prospects on that team, like Callum Ritchie in their draft year. Those extra games mean a ton. Those extra games mean a lot. And um, I thought Oshawa, they battled in this series. I know there were a couple lopsided scores, 7 0, 9 0, but they battled in this series. So hats off to the Oshawa Generals. You know, I thought they really battled in game three. They did a really good job responding at, on home ice to win that game three. That's their biggest win of the season. No one predicted them to win a game in this series. And the fact that they did, you got to be proud of their effort. They played hard. They played physical. They gave it all they could give. Ottawa is just loaded. And there's a reason why one series, I guess, um, the one walked all over the eighth seed. Yeah, uh, just to put a final touch on this one, Logan Morrison scored seven goals in five games. Yeah, um, in this series, Luca Pinelli show guest not Find a big the paper. Deal. Um, five goals in this series, five goals in five games. So, um, j- just two guys that are that are showing off why Ottawa's making a deep run here, and you know, why you like their chances to move on to at least to the conference finals. So, uh, that is series number one in the books. Ottawa takes care of Oshawa. Four to one. Brandon, we move on to your territory. The North right. Bay Battalion and Mississauga Steelheads. Of course, for obvious reasons, you did not drive to North Bay because it's a little far. Uh, but you're hey, in media that, room, you, you're in Mississauga. You know, the, the battalion, of course, win the series four games to two. Just kind of look at the scores in this one. Five one in game one for North Bay, four three in game two for Mississauga. North Bay responds on the road in game three, five to two. Mississauga shuts things down in game four, and we had 2-2 back to North Bay following that 4-1 Mississauga win. Um, And then North Bay kind of makes a little bit of a statement, not too much because it was a close game in game number six. Uh, six Six-nothing final in game five um, at the Memorial Gardens there. 
uh, up in North Bay, and then a 5-4 final in game number six to wrap things up. Uh, Brandon, put this one into perspective for all the fans that maybe didn't pay close enough attention to it. All right, I'll try not to take up too much time with it, but it was a very interesting series, and I think a closer series than a lot of people had expected because you look at the the rosters of both teams, Mississauga trading away their three best players at the deadline and Owen Beck, Luca Del Bell Blues and Ethan Del Mastro. You thought, you know, this rebuilding team under James Richmond, they might sneak in the playoffs, and then we you know one of those top teams will, will handle them pretty easily. But this team, this series went back and forth, and the scrappy Mississauga Steelheads, I think, you know, maybe exceeded some expectations, and North Bay didn't play up to their caliber uh, in certain games in this series. So, I mean, the first four games went back, uh, back to back as far as you know the teams winning those games and. It went to get went to six games uh, with Mississauga almost coming back in the sixth game. They were down four one in that game. Um, sorry, five one, and then Missis and North Bay was able to hold on five four. But you look at Mississauga and and they're just a scrappy team. Like you got to give them them credit at, at some point going up against that stacked North Bay team with all of their you know high powered offense uh, offensive players and. What D- Dom DiVincentes did in that for them this year was also incredible. They have 10 NHL prospects on the team. So you look at that North Bay team. They were the team that I picked coming out of the Eastern Conference. That's why I really wanted to to kind of cover them and see, you know, how they were going to progress through the first round against his Mississauga team. But for Mississauga, you got to give them credit to James Hardy, who recently just signed uh, as of yesterday, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, with the, the Cincinnati Cyclones of the ECHL as he ended his OHL career. He had eight points in the six games, including five goals. Porter Martone was also pretty solid, uh, six uh, six points in the six games, and Agnes McDonnell. So they were really, that first line really catapulted the Steelheads to uh, the success that they did have. And then you also look at uh, uh, Ryerson Leanders in the net as a young goaltender. He, you know, really stood up uh, at times against this lethal North Bay team, which for the most part, for some reason, seemed pretty pedestrian on the power play. For whatever reason with North Bay and even speaking to their, their video coach as well, they just... For whatever reason, their 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 power play just wasn't great. When you look at the type of lineup that they can put out there, um, even the second power play unit could be better than some first units in the league. So, um, the power play just wasn't wasn't clicking at at on all cylinders as you might have thought. But they were still able to score a lot of goals. Matt Vay Petrov, even though he didn't score in the series, he had ten assists in the six games. Kyle McDonald, who had a who sealed it with a hat trick in the final game, game six, had seven goals and two assists uh, in the series. And then Ty Nelson, obviously, I'm pretty sure he's a show guest for you guys. Um, oh yeah, yeah eight it's points, not a big deal. Eight points in the six games from the back end, uh, and then Pasquale Zito, uh, the former Ice Dog and Windsor Spitfire Western Conference champion as well. And Detroit Red Wings prospect for you guys, seven points in the six games. And Josh Bloom also, and Kyle Jackson. So, like, they, their top six offensive is just is just lethal, um, and and it's elite. And I really think that you know those couple games that they had against Mississauga were a little bit of a wake up call. And I think that they're gonna you know go into that series against Barry hopefully uh, with their A game because there were points in the series that Mississauga took it to them just by being a scrappy team under James Richmond that was you know maybe underskilled, but they they showed a lot of heart in this series. But I think North Bay, you know, saw that and is hopefully going to, you know, correct those mistakes. And Ryan Ulihan is not going to be happy about certain parts of that series. But even though they didn't play their best, they came away with the series in six games. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing to note in this series, and again, this just shows how well Dom DiVincentis played 
um, for North Bay, kind of the backbone of the team in this series, getting them four victories. North Bay was outshot in every game but one. And the yeah. game they weren't outshot in was game five when they won six nothing, but they had only one more shot than Mississauga did. The final shots on goal in the in game five, 38 to 37 for the North Bay Battalion. So uh, again, you, you talk about just getting in and experiencing the playoffs. Um, you know, with Mississauga being able to to pressure North Bay, especially in their own end, um, being able to get so many shots on net, right? You kind of maybe look back at this series, uh, you know, say the battalion get to an East final, get to an OHL championship. I have them coming out of the Eastern Conference as well, Brandon. Um, I actually have them winning the OHL championship. But um, if they don't and you maybe see them get eliminated in the Eastern Conference finals for a second straight year, maybe goes back to the fatigue from this first round series because again, it's a two versus seven. You don't expect a real hard fight, um, but the Mississauga Steelheads, like I said, they outshoot them in every single game. Um, Brandon, you pretty much made every point possible for the Steelheads about why they should have came out with a series victory here. Um, it just, just speaks to the depth of, it, of the battalion, right? So um, no, it def- again, it definitely was nice to see a, a, another series go six games. Um, call in here because you know James yeah. Rich and Ryan Ulihan definitely a coaching matchup well, you liked um, coaches. With, with the matchups on on their home ice but uh, um, just two guys that just think the game really well especially during play you know and you know what though there's two guys in the league who there's one guy in the league that's a young up-and-coming coach who all these NHL teams talk about Mark Savard and Windsor but there's got to be more talk about Ryan Ulihan and Jay McKee these two coaches, I mean, last year in that Western Con- or the Eastern Conference final, what an incredible experience that was. And the three of us can attest to that, dealing with both coaches throughout that series in the four games. Ryan Ulihan did and said all the right things. He made some interesting moves. And you saw with Devin Sentence get a couple of starts. I think he started game two in that series last year. Again, in Hamilton, everyone was like, wow, no verbatic. And Devin Sentence actually played pretty good in the series. Uh, Ulihan has that ability to make those decisions and get away with them that turned out to be good decisions. So I really like his instincts as a coach. I really like Ulihan. I mean, James Richmond, you talk about North Bay's power play not really showing up in this series, but that's just a James, Rip- James Richmond uh, penalty kill. James Richmond, he's always going to have good special teams. They're always going to be detailed. They're always not going to give up a lot of space. And last year, Mississauga, for instance, the Mississauga Steelheads last year were the toughest team against that Hamilton Bulldogs team. Um, they were tough to play against throughout the regular season for the Bulldogs. I mean, because they were so tight and they take your space away and they play on top of you. It doesn't matter where they are in the standings. You're always going to play a tight game with the Mississauga Steelheads because they're going to system you. And you can fall into that collapse where it's like, okay, we got it. Like where you get frustrated, right? Because they just don't give you anything. You don't get that flank play. You don't get that cross ice. They take all the dead spots away on, uh, out there in the ozone for you and you got nothing. And so all of a sudden you want to win those one-on-one battles against guys and you're going to lose those. And then Ryerson Leaners as well. Um, what an experience for him to get the starts here in the postseason. Um, what a goalie he's going to be. I mean, we talked about Devin Sentis having such a big year this year. You wait for two years from now how good Ryerson Leaners is going to be and um, where he's going to be. He's a future world junior candidate at this point. His projection, I mean, when you look at the other guys that have come into the league at 16 years old, right, Benjamin Godreau and Sarnia, who has world juniors experience where he was coming in the league, a very good goaltender, Ryerson Leaners is right there with him as a 16-year-old. Uh, Dominic DeVincentis Leaners is right there with him. 
So, and I believe uh, Devin Santos will be the starter next year, at least a goaltender on that World Juniors team for sure, um, for Team Canada, for how good he's been this year. And I mean, I would imagine he'll get even better next year. So I believe Leaners has that potential to be the guy um, in the Ontario Hockey League. And really, we talked about this before, there's so many good young goaltenders in the Ontario Hockey League coming up. Um, and what you saw, there's so many goalies to watch out for next year. I mean, Hamilton, David Egoroff coming up, Zach Bowen, London, um, Kitchener with Vandenberg. You know, there's a lot of good players, McKenzie in Ottawa. So there's a lot of good goaltenders coming up as well. And, I mean, hey, for that matter, Brandon, I know you can attest to this. I know you got peppered a lot, but Owen Flores. You face 50 to 60 shots a game. You imagine when you get 30 to 40. Um, it's a big difference when the workload goes down. So there's a lot of goaltenders to look out for next year in the Ontario Hockey League. But Ryerson Leaner is a great experience for him. And um, I'm excited to see the goaltending. Being a goalie, I'm always excited to see what the goaltending uh, future looks like for the league. And it's definitely a bright spot in the Ontario Hockey League for years to come. And before you move on, Reese, I just want to quickly mention um, two things. North Bay, I mean, you look at where they were two years ago, picking first overall, getting Ty Nelson, getting yeah. Matt Petrov. Last year, getting to the Eastern Conference Championship against the Hamilton Bulldogs. And then, you know, it remains to be seen where they're going to be this year. But if they end up winning an OHL championship, that that two-year progression is just incredible. And I spoke to Ty Nelson about that uh, pregame and, and, and during the series, and he just said, you know, this is what the organization and the, the coaching staff, they've done a great job in rebuilding this team so fast and getting some uh, production from those younger players and, and you know, making good trades when you need to. So North Bay is kind of, I, I feel like, one of those teams where you can look at in a re- as a rebuilding team and say, you know what, they got it done in, in two years. It is possible to do as literally the worst team in all of the CHL just you know, over yeah. two years ago to now being possibly, you know, an Eastern Conference finalist and if not an, an OHL, contend- OHL championship contending team. So, mm-hmm. um, And then the Absolutely. other thing I wanted to mention was uh, shout out to the North Bay fans. They had a couple of billet buses come down for games uh, f- uh four and six game six being on easter sunday there was a lot of north bay battalion fans there um in the building at at paramount fine food center and i think that gave them a little bit of boost almost being a, a home game uh away from the, the memorial gardens yeah i think yeah, that's right the on. best part about the playoffs right you never see fan buses in the regular season they start to come out in the playoffs and it just it just makes it a whole lot better so um Great job as always, Brandon. Um, phenomenal breakdown of that one. 4-2 North Bay takes it over Mississauga as they head to round number two. And they face the Barry Colts, who defeat the Hamilton Bulldogs in six games. Four games to two. A 10-2 dismantling of the Bulldogs in game number one. They also take care of them in game two, six to three. Bulldogs not getting a victory on the road, definitely leading um, to their loss in six games. But uh, they were good at first Ontario Center. Uh, 6-3 win in game three, 5-3 win in game four. Two teams head back to Sadlon Arena in Barrie, a 4-1 victory for the Colts. And then game six ends with nine seconds to go. Also included a 3-0 comeback, a three-goal comeback by the Barry Colts late in the second period. Colin, um, uh, I mean, the Bulldogs, uh, when you win a championship, you go to a Memorial Cup final, you don't even expect to make the playoffs. They finish sixth. Uh, yeah. Kind of the same story as the Steelheads. They sell but seem to be better after the trade deadline. 
know, they just run into a good Colts team. As much as Hamilton fans don't want to admit it, uh, Brent Clark played very well, uh, minus game four, because he was not part of that game. Um, Ethan Cardwell as well, Evan Veerling. Um, when Bo Gelsma came back from, from injury, um, came back for game five game and was four. in for game six as well. Um, I thought he was good. Um, yeah, game one, he had the, uh, his best game of the year, too. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate that he went down because he looked really good in game one, two, four points in the game. Um, yeah, but the kid series for Bailey Bailey was definitely the more skilled team in that series, and you could see that um, in the play. Hamilton, you know, the one thing about the Bulldogs, they grinded it out all year. Um, tip your caps to them. And, I mean, Jay McKee, here, and it all goes back to Jay. Um, you see him in – you see him last year with that roster, and it's like, okay, yeah, you almost get that mentality like your coaching team Canada, where it's like, okay, anyone can win with this lineup, right? You got you got Jan Mishak as your third line center with George Diaco. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like that's like, it's like easy work for you. And then um, when um, this year though, it really showed how good of a coach Jay McKee is, and um, he always knew he was a good coach. But I think everyone around the league really got to respect Jay McKee this year. And uh, Cheese is great, um, really good coach. Um, and it's unfortunate for the Bulldogs. I mean, the playoff experience is huge. It's unfortunately, the run ended for them, but uh, Barry was really good. Uh, and there's not much really to say, you know, just a pinch and then a miscommunication where you don't pick up the man with nine seconds left in, uh, in game six, and they score with nine to go. Ethan Cardwell scores a hat trick. And, I mean, hey, they had 700 games experience on the Bulldogs in the playoffs. So, there's a lot of bit. There's a lot of uh, mismatch up there between Barry and Hamilton, and um, the fact that the Bulldogs got it to six games is pretty impressive. And um, they learned a lot from this series for sure. And you know the grind of the series. And hey, I'm telling you right now, in that dressing room on uh, Tuesday lockout uh, locker room cleanup day, um, I got a couple of quotes. I heard a couple of things from inside the locker room, and. Uh, the one was good. There's a lot of there's a lot of bad blood there. A lot of bitter taste from that Brant Clark goal on the first one. You know when you go to center ice in your home barn, the last game ever in Hamilton, possibly for the Bulldogs, and uh, you see that happening there. The celebration. And I know that the younger guys on that roster are gonna be back, so the majority of the guys are really hungry for that next year, and it's a bitter taste. So you know there's a little bit of a, a little bit of momentum to push from here, and there's a little bit of why right why do you like you remember the bad times when you win and there's a reason that makes you propel to be a better team and most certainly the bulldogs have that and i mean barry's gonna be a tough out for north bay um they're very skilled and uh it's not just brant clark on the back end you know i thought connor Puttett was very efficient um they have a few guys back there that are very good um cholak was good and uh they have those defensive guys that eat pox to just block shots and um, Anton Thornton made the big-time save for them. And plus, how often – I mean, I guess this is a new modern time. I mean, you don't see goalies score. That's been happening forever. But you see a goalie goal by Anton Thornton, which, by the way, I wish I got the opportunity to do that. I'd celebrate so hard. Um, then I'd probably get ran after that. And then you see a – I mean, I, I know uh, Brandon Reese, I know you guys, uh, your guy Ted Lehman won't like this one, but then you see a lacrosse goal as well. Um, in the series. So I guess this is modern day hockey, right? You see a goalie go for the empty net and score, and then you see a lacrosse goal up seven, which I don't agree with up seven going to lacrosse goal. You got to have a little bit of respect there, but um, I'm not the biggest fan of lacrosse goal, but 
I guess we're in modern times, you know, to see a lacrosse goal in the playoffs, and then you see a goalie goal, and then you see another lacrosse attempt as well. So it Barry just showing off that skill there. Yeah. Yeah, and Brandon, um, being from Niagara, the Niagara region, um, now of course covering the dogs, but uh, you know, Marty Williamson brought a lot of winning to St. Catharines, um, whether it be at the Jack, whether it be at the Meridian Center. Um, I'm still a very big fan of the way he coaches. I'm a very big fan of the way he carries himself. He was actually the second coach I had ever met in the Ontario Hockey League when I started to hang around Ted Lehman when he was doing the radio games back on some station that's run by a four-letter word. Um, but, uh, yeah, that actually happened to be in the 15-16 season. So, of course, you got Marty Williamson coaching the Ice Dogs um, and, and none other than Dale Howarchuk as the bench boss for the Barry Colts, right? So that was the first exposure that I had uh, media-wise to the Ontario Hockey League. And, you know, the way Marty was able to work his lines and work the matchups, especially at home, um, taking all three at Sadlon Arena, um, definitely gives you – a pretty good feeling about going up against the rest of the teams in the Eastern conference. Um, I think the one thing for Barry, as you look at after this series, he did go to Ben West, you know, albeit once it was game four, whether you read into it or not, it's, you know, it's up to you, but um, you know, it's interesting to see moving forward because the Bulldogs did a very good job of getting Anson Thornton moving left to right and beating him on a lot of those chances. No, they did. And those are two great coaches to jump into the league with uh, for sure. And Marty Williamson and and late Dale Howarchuk. But yeah, just what Marty Williamson has done with this Barry Colts team. I mean, as a GM and coach, that's not an easy thing to do and be able to pull off and, you know, have that the trust with your players, even though that you can move them out at any time. I think what what Marty's done and building that Barry program into what it is, uh, is, has been incredible. I didn't watch as much of the series, obviously, as you guys. I feel like I don't even have a right to talk about the series with you two on the show. Um, but after I saw what, after I saw Brant Clark do what he did with the Michigan goal when you were up, you know, six or seven goals, I feel like that just set the tone for the rest of the series as far as the yeah. physicality goes and the animosity. We saw our uh, Florian Jacki go after Brant Clark uh, for most <laughs> of the series, and I feel like it just added that extra level of you know, competitiveness because you don't typically see that, especially from a guy like Brant Clark, who's going to be an NHL player, maybe yeah. as early as next year. Um, I think he might have lit a fire under the Bulldogs and maybe the series would have went a different way if that he that situation doesn't happen. Maybe that fired the Bulldogs up a little bit more and just brought that extra layer to the series, which we know yeah. the Bulldogs are a scrappy team well, and they have guys that'll fight. And Florian Jacki was, uh, you know, th- the guy that went after Brant Clark and was on him all series after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Brandon, because game one for the Bulldogs, I mean, game one, there was just way too much energy there pregame. And I mean, anyone that covers a league that's played the Hamilton Bulldogs this year or been able to cover a game with the Hamilton Bulldogs this year that, you know, they bring the speaker. And by the quote-unquote, the speaker, it is loud pregame whenever the Hamilton Bulldogs are in town or at the FOC at the First Ontario Center um, when the Bulldogs play. But uh, it gets loud in there. They bring the speaker, and it was almost too much energy draining before game one. There was almost too much going on. And you could tell this was going to be a questionable game, and it was a learning experience. And everyone knows here on this call right now about what Jay McKee does in learning experiences. Last year, they lost game one of the OHL finals. And I remember that press conference in game one after being like, 
the Bullets just lost. You know, like they're human. And Mark Savard did such a good job. And Michael Renwick scoring the winner. Um, and you just see how, like, Savard, how he handled the media, so much energy and passion with what you get with Mark Savard. But then you see Jay, then you see with Jay McKee where it's just the composure, right? Like, we're okay. And then you come back in game two and then you win. So I really like Jay McKee's coaching philosophy. I mean, I always have. He's such a good coach. He's good in Kitchener as well, good wherever he's been. Um, coaches like he played, very smart, um, very observant, knows how to read a room, knows how to – he knew how to read the ice. So very good coach. And um, I just showed how good of a coach he is going into game two where they changed. And I thought, you know, it wasn't great, but then you come into game three and four, and that was the coaching changes, right? You see the line change. You see him split up Panwar, Lardis, and uh, – the line changes, I mean, it worked, but then when you're going up against a guy like Marty Williams, and like you said, Reese, who's a legendary coach in the game, um, it just shows, I mean, the coaching matchup in that series were really good, and uh, Marty had an answer to it. So, good series all the way around, and I mean, good luck to Barry Colts, because they're going to be a, they will be a tough out, and that's going to be a very good series against North Bay Battalion. Yeah, we will get to that, of course, in segment number two. Uh, last final, Last and final matchup. Um, in the Eastern Conference first round. It was the only sweep in the East and one of three in the Ontario Hockey League first round. The Peterborough Peets and Sudbury Wolves. Peets get it done in four straight games. But one thing to note here, Brandon, is that not one game was decided by more than two goals. Um, and I think one thing a lot of people kind of looked at this series and saw was, you know, is Peterborough able to get in tight to the Sudbury net, right? You look at Kevin Brassard, he's a He's a big dude. Like, he is not tiny whatsoever. Um, and it just, just is awkward. Awkward stance. He got the job done, obviously. None of these were blowouts. They were all close. Sudbury was in all of these games. Um, but you had to wonder if Peterborough was going to take it right to the net. Are they going to be the Peterborough Peets that everybody expected them to be um, in the playoffs? And you know, getting it done in four games, I think that's a pretty nice way to start things off and kind of show the rest of the league that, yeah, we had a really crappy second half of the year. Um, but now it's the playoffs and that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been one of the biggest critics of the Peterborough Peets in the second half of the season, as you mentioned, just not performing up to what they're capable of. As far as the team on paper, they, I think, believe have eight NHL prospects on their roster as well. A four or five matchup against a scrappy Sudbury Wolves team that kind of came, uh, came on in the second half of the year. And I thought Sudbury was going to take it to them in, in at least a couple of games. And like, but, but like you mentioned, a lot of the games were close. Just none of them were able to go on the side of Sudbury. And maybe that was due to the experience of the Peterborough pizza. Some of those guys they brought in like Owen Beck, like um, Avery Hayes from the Hamilton Bulldogs last year. So I feel like at, at the end, Peterborough's ex experience did prevail even though how rough it was in the second half of the year for them with a sub 500 record mm -hmm. after the trade deadline but they were able to pull through and to the critics like myself and others that you know just did, were not high on this team coming into the playoffs they showed why what they're capable of and they're going to be in tough against the the best team in the eastern conference and the ottawa 67s coming up but I was a little bit disappointed with Sudbury. I thought that they would at least steal a game or two in the series and and make it competitive because they, they were a really scrappy team. So uh, good on Peterborough. I'm shocked that they swept it. I'm not shocked that they won in advance because of that roster that they have. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I again, yeah. I think you can group me in with you as being one of the harshest critics of the Peets. 
Um, again, a lot of that has to do with us being on the audio network with the Bulldogs, uh, having our own Bulldog show. Um, we wanted the fourth seed, um, ended up dropping a sixth and falling to Barry. But um, yeah, Colin, despite the games not being, I, I hate using, I hate saying that they should have been blowouts in a four game sweep, but I, I think this well, almost helps Peterborough being on. able to get it done in close games, right? You got to be able to finish oh, late in hockey games in the playoffs. One. And I think this is a good uh, start for the Peets, not only with a four game sweep, they get quite a bit of rest here before the second round starts, but um, to know that in the dying seconds, one mistake will cost you, you know, maybe a trip to overtime if you're able to get the win or a win entirely. Yeah, 100% agreed there, Reese. And it's interesting, right, because they had adversity in this series. For sweeping a series, they definitely had adversity in the series. I mean, look at game two, and you have 52 shots on goal. In every, all four games, the Pete's outplayed the Sudbury Wolves. They outshot the Sudbury Wolves in every four games, on the four games, and they've outplayed them in all four games. So game two I look at, and game two is a game where I like where you're starting to see the maturity of this team come out. Because we didn't see it. Since the trade deadline, we didn't see a lot of maturity out of the Peterborough Peets. Quite frankly, you saw a lot of whining. You saw a lot of moaning. You saw a lot of why us? Why, like, complaining? Well, here's the thing, right? You're not going to get anywhere doing that. I think you accepted the reality here of we, someone's got to step up, and we're seeing that. And game two, to me, was the one where we said, okay, you win game two, and you get 53 shots on Cole, and you had to overcome a lot. You had to overcome a lot in the series. You battled adversity because that's a game where I think that they lose two weeks ago. So you're starting to see some growth out of the team. And, hey, maybe you're peaking at the right time. You always see the President's Trophy curse, right? And you see the Boston Bruins winning 60 games. Oh, man, Reed Duffy's not going to like this one. But the Red Wings did it and the Tampa Bay Lightning did it. It's hard. So maybe if you maybe the Peterborough Peets might peak at the right time, like the Kitchener Rangers in the Western Conference. So good series by Peterborough, good series by Sudbury, to be honest. They hold on there. Good goaltending by Sudbury. And um, congratulations to Peterborough. I mean, hey, you deserve it. Pete's fans, if they, you know, that's a fan base that deserves to have a winner. Because Peterborough gives me the vibes where when they win, it's a good place to be around, right? That fan base, it's a good spot to be when they're winning. And uh, that fan base definitely deserves to have a winner. So um, congrats to Peterborough. And plus, quite frankly, Peterborough puts up a puts up with a lot of snack by Oshawa, and you know what? That's got to be tough. So it's nice to it's nice to have your uh, it's nice to have the candy sometimes in the bragging rights there by their rivals. So sorry, Oshawa fans, but Peterborough puts up with a lot. So it's good that Peterborough uh, moves on and um, possibly get momentum out of this. Yeah, scores in this one, forgot to mention it before, uh, 4-2 in game one, 2-1 in game two, 5-3 in game three, and 4-2 in game four. We got about 15 minutes to get through the West here, gentlemen. Uh, we'll start with the biggest surprise in OHL history this season of all hockey history, whatever you want to classify it under. The eighth-seeded Kitchener Rangers. And on paper, you wouldn't say it's a surprise. Um, no. Standings-wise, you absolutely would. Um, a four-game sweep over the top-seeded Windsor Spitfires. Game one, Kitchener takes it 5-3. Game two, 4 nothing. Both games at the Wafku Center. Uh, game three, Kitchener comes back to the odd. What a crowd. And it's just going to get louder and louder as the playoffs go on. Um, if they're able to get Oh, with that team London. up the road? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> six three in game number three, and then a five one win in game four. Brandon, we'll start with you. What happened to Windsor? Banged up, obviously. Playoffs, everybody's hurt, but first round exit via the sweep. Yeah. I uh, was not expecting that. This Windsor team was a team that I had picked to come out of the Western Conference to face North Bay in the OHL Championship. So, you know, I fell flat on my face with that one, but I'm sure I'm not alone uh, in picking the Windsor Spitfires to repeat as Western Conference champions as they did last year. But to me, I think the story is this Kitchener Rangers team. I don't think that they were a prototypical eight seed. I feel like this team, with the amount of talent they had on paper like Colin mentioned this team should not have been in eighth place like they just vastly under under uh, underachieved in the first half of the season I feel like they started to come on in the second half and just because of the way the Western Conference standings were and how much of a hole that they dug themselves in the first half they were kind of stuck in that eighth seed for most of it because Sue and Erie were so far behind that they really couldn't move up or down anywhere. So I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Kitchener Rangers. And I know you guys will love this, but I was thinking this during the series. Kitchener Rangers goaltender, Marco Constantini. He's the one last year for the yeah. Hamilton Bulldogs that took down that Windsor Spitfires team. So I don't think I don't think enough emphasis was put on the fact that Marco Constantini knows this Windsor Spitfires team and beat them in the OHL championship last year. So I think that is wow, a big part of that that, you know, he kind of had their number, I guess you could say. Um, I know they had a couple of new players uh, that the Windsor acquired, but Windsor just, to me, they just didn't compete enough. And you even saw that in their yeah. in their intermission interviews that they did. They just said, we need to compete harder. We need to try. We need to play better. They were just bad in all aspects. And I feel so bad for Mark Savard because I really like him as a head coach. He seems like he's a very motivated type of coach. But it seemed like for whatever reason – this team just did not buy into that come playoff time. Mm-hmm. When you get Shane Wright and all these other top end players on the team, Matthew Maggio having a great season uh, with over 50 goals just didn't translate. And Marco Constantini stood on his head in the kitchen Rangers took it to the Windsor Spitfires in four games. I believe it's the first eight seed to take down the first overall seed in the, yeah, in the four. OHL in, in league history. So that's something in itself. And, you know, the atmosphere at the odd was was incredible as well. But just props to the Kitchener Rangers, but obviously just huge disappointment for the Windsor Spitfires and Shane Wright. You know, we'll see where he goes from here going uh, to Coachella now in the AHL with the uh, the Firebirds. But just a bad look all around for Windsor, but props to Kitchener. Yeah, Colin, do you consider this just a note? Like, I, I this is a strong word, but is this a failure? You You get Shane Wright. Um, at the trade, no deadline. picks the next, yeah. You, you, your draft picks are gone. Um, for the next four years, would you consider this a failure, a complete failure, or just Kitchener was way better? We didn't play bet good enough and we choked like the Maple Leafs. Hey, I like that. I like that ending right there. Um, by the way. Last Sunday evening, I just got to remind Maple Leaf fans what happened there at uh, at the bank. They cashed in big time. So let's go Red Wings. Just had to mention that. And, uh, yeah, it was most definitely a failed season. I mean, you don't – you never plan on getting swept four straight. You never plan on losing in the fourth – in the first round like that um, with the one seed. I don't think anyone expected that. But, hey, I think – and here's the thing. It reminds me of 1920 when Kitchener made that coaching change, right, when you throw – 
um, Mike McKenzie behind the bench. Mike McKenzie, just such a good coach. And I think if he makes that move back again to the front office, I think Kitchener fans are going to riot because every single time they make the change, it's the exact same thing. So I feel like if Mark, if Mike McKenzie makes that move again to the front office, Kitchener, if I'm a Kitchener fan, I'm rioting. I'm upset about that one. So um, nevertheless, great coaching back there by Mike, by Mike McKenzie to have the guys ready for this series. And, you know, Brandon, I like how you mentioned that, the compete level, right? We talk about the compete level. The problem is I think – Windsor's big guys didn't do enough. They got outperformed by Kitchener's big guys. I mean, Mitchell Martin showed how good of a player he was. Mitchell Martin was one of the best players in the playoffs last year um, for the Kitchener Rangers. I thought he was really good. Matthew Sopp as well. Two guys that don't really get a lot of credit who are very good, but popular, very effective. And I'm a big fan of his. And um, I just think what when you talk about it in game four, right, why are you talking about we need to compete? It's game four of the OHL playoffs. You're facing elimination. To me, what do I get out of that? My superstars, the guys that we gave all those picks for, didn't they didn't do their job. That's great. Quite frankly, that's what it comes down to. And to be honest, we have saw this for the – and I'm not going to mention the player because I don't do that. I'm not one of those uh, no-names on social media. But I'm, in, I'm just going to say it, that they're big guys that you traded all the picks for, didn't do enough. And at every level where you see these big guys play, they haven't done anything there. So what is, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? It probably isn't, to be honest. And it's tough. And it really it hurts when it's game four and you're talking about compete level. It's game four of the OHL playoffs. You're facing elimination. Why are we talking about how we have to compete? Where's the desperation? Where's the desperation? You lose four nothing. You lose four nothing on home ice. In game two, that is embarrassing. That that should send you back to Kitchener with some fuel with some fuel in your stomach. There, you should be upset about that one. You should want to go into their bar and, re- and reverse that. You shouldn't need any extra motivation. Kitchener walked into the Wafku Center and walked all over them in a sold out Windsor Arena. Windsor Windsor Arena has one of the best atmospheres, and I'm calling it the old one, but. The Wafku Center has one of the best atmospheres in the Ontario Hockey League. And it's too bad because the Windsor fans are so passionate and there's such a good fan base there. I mean, last year in the OHL Finals, I was blown away with how good they were. That was a madhouse in there. That was like Chicago in 2010 to 13 when they were winning the Cups. That's what it reminded me of. It was so loud in that arena and the fans are right on top of the visiting bench. Tough place to play. There should not be any motivation needed. They should, the players should have had it all. I mean, Mark Savard could have walked in that room and said nothing, and you should have had enough motivation to play in those games. And it's unfortunate for Windsor, but you kind of get what you deserve, right? When you don't play well and you don't play the right way and you know it and you still can't fix it, that's just the domination by the Kitchener Rangers. And the Kitchener Rangers were great. And I like that you mentioned Marco Costantini because Marco Costantini, he's a weird dude. You know, he's not hes not going to say much. He's kind of just going to be in his own little world. But he's just going to go out there and he can make 40 saves a night like nothing. And um, he's tough to beat. He is tough to beat and he's a competitor. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned Marco because Marco's going to Marco, right? He's calm, cool, and collective all the time. He's always the same. And uh, you know what you're going to get from him. So the Kitchener Rangers definitely deserve that. And um, all the best to them because the odd and the butt are going to be rocking in round two. That rematch, you know the Knights are going to come out hard. 
Yeah, London Knights also taking care of the Owen Sound attack in four games. 7-0 in game one at the Bud. 5-4 in overtime uh, in game two. They win 3-2 in overtime in game three and take it 5-0 in game four against Owen Sound. You you get a couple of overtime games. That's understandable, but um, London is not the London Knights of last year. We, I think, you know, we look at them, they didn't have a whole lot of size last year. They didn't really look like a typical Dale Hunter team. Um, We're not saying they're a huge team this year. We're not saying they're anything like, uh, like what we were looking at in um, 2016, but you had to mention that, didn't you Reese? Man, I didn't even try that. (laughs) <laughs> that that was that that's how good I am. I didn't even try that. <laughs> um, a young call, but, a young Colin Ward on a Thursday night at Meridian Center after Game Four was very happy yeah. going up a, on a night season ticket holder. Um, was very 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 happy that night though. In not even gonna so go there, Reese. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. No, I'm just th- this is this is a team that's gonna score a lot of goals in the playoffs. Um. And I think that's what's going to work well against the Rangers. We'll get to that um, in a couple of minutes here. But um, j- just seemed like the Knights, again, a series that the Knights were 10 times better than the Owen Sound attack. Um, and, it, and it reflected on the score sheet as well as in the final playoff bracket that we see here for nothing there, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, you feel for Colby Barlow as a guy that's going to go, you know, in the first round as a NHL prospect. But other than that, the Owen Sound attack just, I know it's a heated rivalry with the London Knights. They have a long hatred uh, for each other, especially <laughs> when you get the barn rocking up there at the Bayshore. Um, and we saw some theatrics happen in the stands uh, as well. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. something went on the London bench. Maybe it didn't. But uh, regardless, just London was able to take it to Owen Sound. I think a lot of people expected London to come out of that series this year as a two seed in the Western Conference kind of, you know, showing that they're somewhat back to being the London Knights of the past that we've kind of missed the last couple of years. But like you mentioned, Reese, I think, I think they were just, the Owen Sound attack were overmatched in yeah. most to all aspects of the series. I think Colby Barlow's still the best player on both teams, in my opinion, but the depth of the London Knights was just too much yeah. to handle for this Owen Sound team. Yeah, absolutely, Colin. And I think the three names that we're going to think of right off the hop uh, George Diaco, Ryan Winterton, and Ryan Humphrey. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to mention this. This series was actually closer than a sweep because when you look at the scores, 7 nothing game one, yes, that's dominance. But two overtime games. How often do you see a team lose back-to-back games in overtime and it's a sweep? You would not really think that, right? When you talk about overtime, you lose two games in overtime in a series. You wouldn't think, okay, that team's going to get swept. you think it's closer. But Two close games, two blowout games. So it really was kind of close um, in a way. But, yeah, Ryan Winterton line, I am I mean, George Diaco goes there. He becomes a captain right away of that London Knights team. And, I mean, not, not a surprise at all. And then Ryan Winterton, Ryan Humphrey. I mean, Humphrey is going to Humphrey. Um, Humphrey can play in any line. Um, the guy's hard to play against. You hate playing against him. And, quite frankly, when the Hamilton Bulldogs were there this year and I made the trip to the Bud. Humphrey, in his first game as a London Knight, sucked uh, Florian Jacki into a 10-minute misconduct. And all you hear is read nothing. You could see that happening. You flow. You know who he is. You you played with him. It's the first game you're not playing with him. You know what 
Ryan Humphrey is as a player. Like, what are you doing? But Humphrey is going to be a Ryan Humphrey. He plays his game the same every single game. He is hard to play against. Very frustrating to play against. He is a rat. And then Ryan Winterton. Winterton has truly brought out the best in Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey. Easton Cowan is a star. Um, he doesn't lose puck battles. Easton Cowan, when you watch him in the corners, he always wins the battle. He always comes out with the puck. And that line's been very efficient. I don't and I don't know how high their draft stock would be. I mean, they're very talented players. They're very good hockey players, Cowan and Barkey. But I believe the Ryan Winterton trade just escalated their draft stock shall draft here. And I mean, I think Cowan goes second to fourth round at this point. I mean, such a good player. He doesn't lose puck battles and he's been so efficient for them. So uh most definitely those three players have been huge. And then Brett Brochu and Net. I mean, two overtime uh, game winners are big, right? You need your goaltender. And he outplayed their goaltending in Owen Sound, too. And you need your goalie to be better than their goalie. Series number three in the West. Sarnia Sting take care of the Guelph Storm four games to two in a series that you kind of thought was going to be 4 nothing. Um, and then Guelph flips the script. Game one goes to Sarnia 5 nothing. Game two goes to Sarnia 5-4 in overtime. Game three, Sarnia takes as well, 8-4. to four. Oh, And here come the Guelph Storm. 5-4 win in game four. 3-1 win in game five in Sarnia. And then it comes down to overtime. 4-3, the Sting take it over the Guelph Storm at the Sleeman Center. Oh, for a team that didn't start off the season very well, um, and you throw London and Kitchener in that category as well. They're just moving on to the second round. Um, I thought Guelph would have had one of the better second halves of the season in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, you know, and it it showed in this series the the heart that the team has, right? And you know, Patrick Lever is such a big part of this team. Um, you know, I really still like that trade. They swapped goalies with Oshawa. Um, you know, they end up falling four games to two after trading away um, Sasha, Sasha Pasajov, um to the okay. Sarnia Sting. But, um, Brandon, it's a, it's a situation where you like to see the fight there. Tough to go down 3 nothing and come back. Um, but the fact that you're able to force it to a sixth game um, definitely helps heading into next year and has, you know, puts a good – it's a good word in for guys coming in and you know, maybe guys that you look to acquire for next year, kind of about what the Guelph storm are all about. Yeah. I guess you could say they came storming back with a bad hey, attaboy. But, uh, there you go. Nice. As Colin go. mentioned, two overtime games that went Sarnia's way. So one of those games goes Guelph's way. Maybe it ends up being a game seven and who knows yep. what can happen in a game seven, but they storm back in four and five and it's looking like the 04 Yankees and Red Sox, which is, uh, you know, still one of the darkest moments of my life. Uh, with the Yankees up 3 nothing in a series. But that's what it was looking like with the Guelph Storm. Uh, but then Sarnia was able to finish them off in that sixth game. But you look at the Sarnia Sting, and to me, like, I had a vote for the uh, for the poll as far as who was going to get MVP. Yeah. And I voted for Ty Voigt because I just think Ty Voigt, unfortunately, is a Toronto Maple Leafs prospect, but we won't go there. Despite the TOR affiliation beside his name, he was, to me, the most valuable player to his team all season long. You look at the amount of assists that that guy had leading the league. He just made players around him better. He set up all of his teammates. He created space, time and space for them to get open. And then they went and acquired Luca Del Bell Blues and Ethan Del Masher from the Mississauga Steelheads yeah. to make that team even better. Stars. So 
I'm not shocked with the, what the Sarnia Sting were able to pull out in this series. And I think they're going to, you know, make a deep run as well in the Western Conference. Now with Windsor being out, to me, Sarnia is the team to beat, but we'll have to Absolutely. wait and see what the other series brings, but or bring us. But I, I'm not shocked that the Sarnia Sting are moving on, but good, good on the Guelph Storm for making it a series for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got Sarnia coming out of the West. Um, I, I have them making yeah. it all the way to the OHL championship. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, North Bay, I have winning it all. But um, yeah, the Sarnia thing, they just, they made all the right moves. And you look at Peterborough with, you know, they acquired stars and it hadn't really worked out in the second half of the season. Well, they got a sweep of the Sudbury Wolves in round number one. Sarnia got stars, but it propelled them higher. So what, so what kind of situation are we looking at? Kind of not the same story. Yeah. I think Sarnia and Peterborough are still two very different teams, but um, it definitely seemed to work out a lot more for the Sting in that second half than Peterborough. Yeah, you know what? Since the start of the year, I've had Sarnia being in the OHL final. I mean, Sarnia has been really good. Um, since the start of the year, they, they've had that mentality that they're going to be good. And I mean, if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to earn it. And they're going to be tough to play against. And I've always liked Sarnia since September. And this team's been really good. And they've showed that all year. They have a lot of heart. They play close. It's a good group there. Um, it's a really tight group. Um, they play for each other. And you can see that. And then for the Guelph Storm in this series, you know, you kind of had the shades of that 19 run where you're down 3 0 to the London Knights, come back and win that series in their reverse sweep. Then you're down 2 0 to Saginaw come back and win that, and then 2-0 in the OHL finals and win that. So it's just something about the Gwalt Storm having an ability to come back no matter who's on the roster in a series, um, which is interesting because I honestly I thought that was going to happen. Uh, it was so close, right? Overtime in Game 6, anything can happen. And then you get to Game 7, you know, that's definitely anything can happen in Game 7. So um, most definitely, but the Sarnia Stinger loaded. Um, Sarnia is a really good hockey team. You just got to tighten up some things. And, hey, the playoffs, it reminds me a lot of that Winter Sarnia series last year, right, when Winter got the opportunity to uh, in the first round there. Sarnia pushed them deep, right, and it really propelled Winter to get momentum. So maybe that'll be a good thing for Sarnia, play a get competitive round one, and um, you might be able to see them cruise here into the conference final. I think this series against Saginaw might be a little bit looser than what people say playing their best hockey at the end of the year 8-1 0-1 for the Sarnia Sting yeah, so playing yeah, the yeah. playing the best hockey they're, at the right time team. going into the playoffs so that can't be uh underestimated as well absolutely um and the team they will play just finished a seven game series the first ever battle of Michigan between the Spirit and Firebirds and it goes seven games this is how we're going to finish out the first hour of the OHL in 60 podcast not that we're going two hours in any means but uh um game one goes to Saginaw seven to one game two the spirit take as well four to one uh Flint answers in game three an overtime victory five to four overtime again in game number four two one Saginaw takes that one they head back to Saginaw Flint wins on the road five two and then back at home in game six to force a game seven four three in overtime third overtime game uh, of this series, they finish off this seven-game first-round matchup in Saginaw, and it is the Spirit winning 6-3. to three. Gentlemen, I don't think we could have asked for anything better in the first edition this. of the Battle of Michigan between these two clubs. Yeah, we needed this. One, 
we needed this because it grows the game in the U.S. level. And I mean, and that's quite honestly, it's really nothing to say about growing the game because I think the game is huge there. You go to a Firebirds game, you go to a Spirit game, and we can test this. It's a good atmosphere there. It's no different than going anywhere else in Ontario. It's a bad cliche that gets used. It's a bad narrative for them because it's so not true. I mean, the buildings were rocking in this series, and we really needed this like how the OHL needed the Game 7 last year in the OHL Finals. Um, this was incredible for the OHL game. Um, it really grew the game. You can see Michael Misa there in a Saginaw play in the playoffs, and now the Memorial Cup next season, which will be massive for them. And then plus – in the Flint side, you see a young team, then you see him and Deus Lombardi kind of come out of nowhere this year. I mean, he kind of knew what he was, but he really didn't. And the points really showed that this year, the type of player he is. And you got to see two teams that were playing really good hockey, I guess, at the right time. So, really good series. Um, Flint showed uh, perseverance there to battle back in the series and force a game seven. That's a, That was a very tough win in game five. And then let alone in overtime, you score a winner at home. I mean, that might have been the loudest I've ever heard in that arena. Um, that was loud. And uh, you love to see that for the game. You, you know, you miss that. Uh, because last year, some playoff games were not sold out. There were some playoff games. It was terrible, the attendance. Then you look at – you're looking at this year, and the attendance around the first round has been incredible. And uh, those teams have definitely helped with that. Two really good markets and um, untapped markets that are getting tapped into now with the Memorial Cup going to Saginaw. And then, honestly – in a couple of years, I mean, Flint, I think facility-wise, you need a lot to clean up there. But two team, two markets that are growing and two facilities that will get better and most definitely Saginaw will get better with the Memorial Cup. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, not much to say for me, honestly. Like, I, I was able to catch parts of the series. And like you guys mentioned, it's just great that we had that Saginaw-Flint rivalry happen in the playoffs. And the extra attention around Saginaw with them getting the Memorial Cup and, and all the, the talk about Michael Misa. But it was good on Flint as well. I mean, you trade away Brennan Othman at the beginning of the year, your top player, your captain. And they were able to, you know, tread water they and, and still compete for, and make the playoffs. And a couple of good acquisitions, like a guy like Nolan Dan, who had a very underperforming uh, year with the Niagara Ice Dogs, only six goals in the 33 games. It was at Niagara. Had four goals and an assist in seven playoff games. So he was you know, a bright spot for the Flint Firebirds in the playoffs and elevated this game, a lot of confidence, and just goes to show that confidence can be big. Um, Nolan Dan has the ability to be that type of player and showed it in the playoffs yeah. for Flint. So good on Flint for making it to seven games, but Saginaw, I think it's a good showing for them if they go out in the next round or two and then setting themselves up nicely for a Memorial Cup run next year. Oh, you want to you hear a big quote, you know, um, as we're on the Flint topic, I just want to mention this one. Big uh, news here. There's a big quote tonight of the Detroit Red Wings game. Mickey Redmond on Mendes Lombardi saying that him and Deus Lombardi will make a big push to make the Red Wings roster next year, which is massive to see um, for Lombardi, who has been spectacular this season. So um, just want to mention that quote from Mickey Redmond on the Red Wings broadcast saying that he believes that him and Deus Lombardi will make the push to make the Red Wings roster next year. Um, but to see what the Red Wings have at center, I most definitely could see that happening with the way Lombardi's played this year. He definitely earned that opportunity to make a spot out of camp. So uh, hopefully for Lombardi, he gets the opportunity because he's been great this year in play. I mean, getting the contract so early like he did, which Steve Eisman really doesn't do, right, um, in the middle of the season, give guys contract like that. He's a general manager that's going to make you earn it. Um, he'll make you in your contract. And uh, paying Lombardi so early and getting him on the books is a big one for me. Uh, 
and it really makes me believe that Lombardi will get the opportunity to make uh, the Detroit Red Wings at a training camp next year. So hopefully, and good luck to Lombardi. Yeah. Well, fellas, round one is done. Round two, we will look at next. Ottawa gets Peterborough. North Bay gets Barry. London goes at it with Kitchener for the second straight year. And the fourth and final series, we will look at Sarnia Sting and Saginaw Spirit. That's next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. My name is Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward. As th- our thanks as always to Brandon Caputo for joining us on the program. Uh, he had to run in between segments, which is no big deal. He did a lot of work for us um, with North Bay and Mississauga. He gets to take a break um, in between rounds one and two. So we will look at round number two right now. And we'll start you know, one versus four in the Eastern Conference. The top four teams make the second round this year in the OHL playoffs. We'll start the Ottawa 67s and Peterborough Peets. Again, you really like the Ottawa 67s. You really, um, I think 95% of the uh, people are out there are taking Ottawa to win this series. Um, but, but it kind of might have the making of Kitchener-Windsor minus injuries and and banged bodies and i mean it, it's playoffs everyone everyone's hurt but um just the the moves that pete's made and if they continue to be hot and uh and they continue to win you know you, there is a chance there that peterborough may surprise some people and yeah. take out ottawa um and again if any team was going to do it it'd be one of the top four teams or one of the two three four two through four teams in the Eastern Conference. There you go, Reese. Um, that would do it. Um, but but again, we're also talking about the Ottawa 67s that were in first forever, like right from the start of the year. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, Ottawa's very deep. Ottawa's played better and better, and they proved their haters wrong. And uh, like myself, every time I thought Ottawa was going to go on a losing streak, they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. they're, well, they're well ran. They're a well-ran organization. They're well-coached. Um, that's the franchise in a very good spot. And uh, sort of the Peterborough Pizza are coming in with momentum right now. I mean, sweeping Sudbury, I don't think anyone really thought they were going to sweep Sudbury. Um, but they definitely played really good hockey, and they played to their system, and they played good without the puck, and especially with the puck, which is the first time I've saw that since the deadline in Peterborough, to be honest. Um, so props to them for playing the right way. Series is tough. This series is going to be tough. I have Ottawa in six. But um, it's going to be a tough one, though, for sure. I can see this going seven, and I can see it, or I can see it going four. This series is one of those series where you really don't know how to read it. But my gut, like from what I've saw this year, I have the Ottawa sixty sevens in six games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. Um, it could very well go seven games, um, but I think Ottawa Ottawa takes it in six as well. Um, I like Logan Morrison the way he performed in round number one and just his leadership that he brings from that championship run, winning a playoff MVP last year. is just something you don't, you don't see every day. You don't usually get playoff MVPs back the next year in the Ontario hockey, Ontario hockey league, let alone acquiring one. 
um, for Ottawa. So, uh, yeah, I, I like yeah, the six as well. And, uh, and it should be a very entertaining series. Um, it will be enjoyable. It'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, Mo going up against uh, Avery Hayes and Gavin White. Um, I really yeah. look, look forward to seeing that. So, um, yeah, that is, same here. That is good guys too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, go blue, Avery. That a boy. Hey, speaking of that, speaking of that, the Ohio State Buckeyes being the number one ranked linebacker in recruitment tonight. So, let's go, you, big you league. Read for a parade or top something. Wide, you're the top. That's right, because you got the top. You get one of the top. So you recruited the top guy to lose the to Michigan wide receivers, and now the cornerback. Hey, okay, two in eighteen years. Congratulations, you guys. Hey, you got, two, hey one, we got to take 16. it when we get it. We got to take it when we get it. We're, semi, we're, we're we're not champions. We're semifinalists in what seems like everything. Well, they so. got, yeah, yeah. That, well, hey, I mean, it's all respect. I mean, hey, I'll, I'm just gonna say, it, but. The teams had talent at Michigan. They just can't win. I'll admit that. I mean, last year they beat us at our home stadium. They played better than we did. I said that on the show. They played better than Ohio State, and that sucks to say. It sucks to say, but we didn't play good. Our cornerbacks were terrible. And now that we're recruiting better, I mean, it's going to be good. It'll be a lot different. I mean, we didn't play hard. We played soft. And Michigan played hard. They battled. And, uh, it just they just they're cursed. They can't get over the hump. It's like the Leafs in the first round, yeah. but at least it's not the first round. But uh, it's it's weird. But nevertheless, I have Ottawa over Peterborough in six games. And Reese, I'm typing it out. We'll have it on the story uh, on Instagram and Twitter, yeah, and and Facebook as well on our social media. So I have it out in my notes right now. So I have Ottawa over Peterborough in six games. We'll have that out either probably tomorrow, Thursday morning, or Wednesday evening already. When the mm-hmm. show gets released, so it's our could quite possibly already out um, as you're listening to this. So get on the action. Let us know who's winning. Let us know your thoughts on the second round, and let us know if anything changes um, in your prediction and who's going to be the OHL champion this year. Because we will have a new champion. We will have a brand new finals as well. Yes. So that's going to be fun. So there's a, they're showing off the parity in this league and uh, how well Randy franchises are all the way one through twenty. All right, North Bay yeah. Barry Reese. Yeah, matchup number two, North Bay Battalion and the Barry Colts. Uh, right away, I think this series goes seven. Um, Same. I, 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 I'd like both coaches are, are phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I think I think North Bay wins that goaltending battle with Thornton and uh, and Devincentis. Obviously, you know Thornton can get hot. No question about that. Um, it's it's all about yeah. getting him moving side to side and taking his eyes away. Really, straight shots with maybe one guy in front aren't going to beat him. Um, so you, you just got to be able to move the puck around very well. I think North Bay wins, um, and that's solely based off of me picking them to be OHL champions. But uh, North Bay takes this one in seven games, and I think a big part of it is going to be their ability to shut down Brant Clark. I think they have the defense to do it. I know. Awesome. Um, and I really what like what they have up and down their lineup. Yeah, I agree with you there, Reese, 100%. I'm going to take North Bay on seven. I think, obviously, Hamilton, being a young team, they couldn't, they couldn't 
outskilled. They, and they weren't going to outskill the Barry Colts. The Barry Colts were the far more skilled team. Hamilton just played more grittier. With North Bay, on the other hand, Barry's going to face a lot more of a skilled team than the Hamilton Bulldogs were. And they're going to face an older group who has playoff experience that the Hamilton Bulldogs did not have that still forced six games. And quite frankly, I think the youth really is the reason why they lost that game six up three nothing. If the Hamilton Bulldogs of last year aren't losing that game up three nothing, they're winning that game six nothing. If it's a game like game six in Hamilton, last year the Bulldogs win that game six nothing. Um, so there's something there with the youth where the North Bay Battalion aren't going to blow a pre goal lead against you. Um, and I thought there were games where the Barry Colts didn't get a good start or they kind of had it too easy for them, um, like the first two games. So, and that's not going to happen with North Bay. So I'm going to take North Bay in seven, but I could see this going North Bay in five or six as well. But I'm going to take North Bay in seven um, over the Barry Colts because I just think, you know, I look at the skating at Ty Nelson. I look at Brandon Clark, right? Brandon Clark, magnificent player, 15 points in the first round, such a good hockey player. Um, he's going to be in the NHL. But Ty Nelson's such a good skater, and you never see Ty Nelson make a mistake with a puck. Um, and the big thing is they're going to make the, they're going to make uh, Brant Clark defend. Um, the North Bay Battalion make Brant Clark defend. And I mean, you see instances this year of Brant Clark um, being up in the rush, right, leading the rush up, um, and one defenseman back. I mean, Barry gave up a lot of two on ones, odd man rushes in the series against the Hamilton Bulldogs. You give up odd man rushes against North Bay Battalion; these games could get ugly real oh. quick. So, obviously, North Bay Battalion got to play a lot better because I didn't think they were good enough for this round either. Um, I thought they kind of slap walk a little accidental at times. But I believe this round, two teams that desperately, they, I think they need to clean stuff up. Um, I think they learned a lot from their rounds. They're both well coached, which is going to be fun um, to watch. It's nice to see uh, every team now in the playoffs is well coached. And, I mean, that's not a question. But it's going to be a very good series. I'm going to take the Battalion in seven games. And it's interesting. You look at the schedule, eh? From April 20th to 25th, five days, you have four games. So this is going to be a grind down the stretch. So uh, later on in the series, that'll be an interesting thing to see as well, who starts in that. Ben West gets to start for the Barry Colts in this series. Hop over to the West. London Knights, Kitchener Rangers. This will be the first series to get underway um, in round two this year. And they'll actually go back to back they go thursday april 13th in london and friday april 14th in london for games one and two rematch of last year london looking london looking for revenge obviously um i think both teams are better than they were last year kitchener definitely better um, and London definitely looking for a much better result, and they've already had one um, getting through the first round. But both teams are, are way better than they were one year ago. I'm taking the Knights. I'm taking the London Knights yeah. in six games. I think they do pull one out at the odd. Um, obviously, it having to be game six. But uh, um, I, I like the London Knights. I like the way they're structured. Um, Brett Brochu back in the net. Um, you know, a guy that didn't go into last year's playoffs healthy. Um, and it looks like he is this year, yeah. albeit not against the strongest Owen Sound attack team. But uh, I think London wins in Kitchener's barn. Um, the experience, as we mentioned earlier, with Diaco Winterton and, uh, and Humphrey definitely help the London Knights, um, and they all know what Marco Costantini has to offer, but Marco yeah. also know 
knows how they play and where they like to shoot and their tendencies, right? But um, yeah. the way the London Knights are set up, I, I like their chances to come out of this series and head to a conference final. And I think they do it in six games. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the series. I think London's going to come out more desperate because of last year. I mean, their veteran players that were around that team are going to be big. I mean, like a Max McHugh, I think, is going to be a big impact player in this series. Um, Isaiah George, right? Isaiah George never played in that seven-game series last year against Kitchener Rangers, and that was a big piece out of the lineup. I think London's a lot better of a team. Um, their defense is better. They got more depth this year in the series. London, member wasn't your prototypical two-seed in that series last year no. as well. Kitchener wasn't your average seventh seed, like they are the eighth seed this year. This is like honestly a one-two match. This is like a conference final matchup in round two right now. This is going to be a series. These are two teams that are hungry. They're hard to play against. They are well coached. They are well ran historic organizations in our league. So that's exciting. That's very good for the league. Um, two buildings that are historic in their own way. Um two buildings that you look forward to going to. You don't have no, – no Knights, no Rangers, no OHL fan has to be asked if they want to go to a game in Kitchener or London. They want to go there. Every time you go there, you go for the event, you go for the atmosphere and the tradition that both teams bring to the table. And I'm very excited for that. I cannot wait to see the odd rocking rock the odd. I can't wait to see the bud rocking because those are two buildings that are so fun to go to. And, and I mean, it's one of – Quite frankly, it's one of the it's the biggest rivalry in the Ontario Hockey League. Kitchener, London, Western Laurier, right? It's just two cities. That, I mean, heck, Reese, we played in we baseball, right? You played in Brantford, me played in Simcoe, Badgers and Panthers, right? It was always the they were always games that every time Kitchener, London, it doesn't matter the sport. It's Majors, Panthers, IBL. Every time those teams play, there's bitterness to it. It's chippy. It's it's fierce. It's the games that grow the league, and it's the games – it's like Canada, U.S., Canada, Russia. That's what that is. That's what that is right there, London, Kitchener. I'm very excited for this. I'm going to go London over Kitchener in seven games. I thought last year that London was banged up. I mean, Brett Brochu clearly wasn't 100%. Um, and London got seven games in overtime, right? <laughs> they just didn't come out on the right end, Mike Petesian, um, with the game winner. But – um. I think this year, I think London looks good. And so does Kitchener, obviously. They swept the first-place team in the first round and walked all over them. But the one thing is London's going to be desperate. London's going to be hungry because their veteran players remember that last year. And then tell, I mean, you remember that, right? You remember that all summer. And I just mentioned about the Hamilton Bulldogs, remembering Brant Clark with the first goal and here, seeing that in their own arena. You remember that all summer. And quite frankly, the London Knights' core players that were on last year's team – their fuel of motivation going into this season was remembering that game seven, sitting on their knees in their own ends, watching the Kitchener Rangers, who were the seventh seed, win in Bud Gardens. You know, that hurts. That hurts. If you're on the line of nights, that hurts. You know, that digs deep. When you see your rival win in your home arena in game seven of overtime, that hurts. It doesn't matter. It hurts. So that, to me, is something there's a lot of fuel for a lot of nights. And also last year, in that OHL finals, we saw Marco Costantini kind of struggle a little bit against the Winter Spitfires. Winter got to the net. London's going to get to the net. London, you're not going to have to worry about them if they're going to play hard. They got to be more competitive. They got to be more fierce. That's not going to be a problem with a Dale Hunter coach team. That's not going to be a problem. You know, London's going to bring it. You know, they're going to be physical. It's the second round of the playoffs. And you know, Kitchener's going to weather the storm. That Kitchener penalty kill is so good. 
and Kitchener's just got to get one of the first two games to get Francesco Pinelli back. Mm-hmm. You get your captain back. He's been suspended. You get him back. That's big. You know, then all, if you get him back, you you split the first two games. You win one at Bud Gardens. We got a series. And I can see this one going seven games. I got London over Kitchener in seven. And um, that's my pick. Sarnia and Saginaw. I'm going to screw these two up so often. The two S teams, oh, Sarnia State and Saginaw are... Spirit. Thanks, yes. guys. Appreciate that. Um, but, but you get the three and four seed going at it here in round number two. Um, I, I think it's another series that you can easily look at going six or seven. Um, but I think it's all how, how these teams came out of round number one, right? You think of Sarnia, they were really cruising along in there. Well, Guelph threw a wrench in their plan. Um, one, two, but Sarnia, uh, obviously winning the series four to two Saginaw giving up a three games to one lead in their series to Flint end up winning in game number seven. So definitely you look at these two teams having flaws in round number one. Who could make the adjustment into round number two? Um, I think the Sarnius thing, we're fully expecting after game three to just sweep away the Guelph store and move on um, and wait for your opponent in round number two. Um, That doesn't happen. You know, they're able to pull out that game six victory, but let's see how they handle the Saginaw spirit, a team that it's a marketing campaign right now to get fans interested, to get Mem Cup deposits placed, to get Mem Cup packages purchased, um, to get interest around the the, uh, Saginaw spirit and, and Saginaw, Michigan, heading into the Memorial Cup next year. So I think that's big alone. No, aside from playing the actual series and trying to beat the Sarnia Sting, there's a second thing going yeah. on here where you're trying to market the game well enough south of the border that you have Canada's, um, you know, one of the hardest trophies Imagine. to win in Canada is going to be handed out on your ice in one year's time. So yeah, I, I think that's case. big for them. Um, so I, 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 I'm going with Sarnia. And I'm going with them in six, but I also think there's think there's a chance they win in five. Yeah. I think Sarnia kind of learned something about the playoffs in round one. Saying, yeah. yeah, you're up three nothing, you can't give up because they're one goal away from going to a game seven against the Guelph Storm. Um, so I'm going yeah. in six, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sarnia wins in five. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to go Sarnia over Saginaw in five games. I don't think that series is going to be relatively close. I could see it possibly being four. I mean, I want it to be close. I could see four, five, or six. I don't see it going seven. And uh, don't quote me because they're going to be – Saginaw's a really good team, but I just think Sarnia's going to win the OHL championship, um, quite frankly. Um, this team's loaded, and I think they're going to hit their stride at the right time. I mean, this team looks well built. They got a good shutdown defenseman there in Del Mastro and others. I really like that team. And I believe that they're going to win the OHL championship right now, um, the Sarnia Sting. And I believe they'll win in five games over the Saginaw Spirit. I just think this team's going to be really good. I think they win the first two games at home and find a way to win one in Saginaw. And you do that, it's a good recipe to win uh, yeah. one of the next two, especially at home. Game five and Sarnia. Game five and Sarnia would be ridiculously loud. Can you oh, imagine yeah. that a chance to go to the conference final for the first time in a long time? Um, that would be wild atmosphere there at the Hive. And uh, they've already been putting on a good show there in Sarnia in the first round. I mean, the building was packed, and 
good series between them and Guelph. I mean, good good attendance around the board there. And uh, I just think the Sarnia Sting look really good. They're hitting their stride. And I think, honestly, it's going to be huge for them to win in five games because they're going to have a little bit of a break between the between the conference finals. But not writing much Saginaw, though. Saginaw's a good team. They'll find they'll find a way to play hard. They're well-coached as well. Um, they're deep. They're just young. And I just think Sarnia, I mean, Godro, um, if he hits to stride. I mean, you know what he he's capable of doing. I mean, he's been good in the second half. Um, and their forwards up front, they can score on all three, all four lines there. And sorry, they're a good team. They're a close group, and I just think that team hits adversity. You don't even notice it, right? They find a way. Um, they just have a lot of heart. They're playing. They play loose and they play hard. And um, I just think Sarnia, very good hockey team, and I think that they'll win in five games over the second half spirit. All right, so we've got all our picks for round number two. And we both have Ottawa beating North Bay in the East final, as well as London and Sarnia meeting each other in the West final. Should be a good round number two. We'll post our picks, um, of course, up on our social media at the OHL in 60 podcast. Um, Overtime again, but meh, no big deal. Uh, Thanks again. Thanks again to Brandon Caputo for joining us on the show to break down series number one and uh, what he saw in North Bay. Uh, and Mrs. Saga, he will be all over that North Bay Berry series in round number two as well. So make sure you check out our Twitter for um, game updates throughout that series. And of course, we'll be around. The Bulldogs are out, which means it's time to focus on the rest of the league um, a little bit more in depth, which should be should be very fun leading up to the OHL championship. Thanks so much to Colin Absolutely. Ward, um, as always. And thanks so much to the listeners for tuning in every single week. You understand it was a day late, but playoff schedules happen. Um, Yeah, everybody understands that. Round two gets underway Thursday, April 13th, 7 o'clock, London, Ontario, Budweiser Gardens, Kitchen Rangers, and London Knights. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Enjoy all the playoff action that we've got in store for you, and we will chat again next week.